All right. Good morning again, everyone. Good to see you. Good to have you with us. We're going we're gonna to take a pause uh, this week on our giving liturgy that we've been uh, going through the last number of weeks together. But uh, I just want to make note um, about the, the teen challenge and the lighthouse uh, pickups and the, um, the goods that we were accumulating for them. We had a, a great week this week of accumulating items. We've got tons in our front foyer, if you haven't seen it, and we've got a bunch of food that's going to be going out to lighthouse this week. So thank you for your involvement in that. Thank you for giving. If you still would want to drop off food uh, early this week, you could let us know. We haven't yet gone to Lighthouse. We'll be doing that um, probably mid this week. So uh, there would still be an opportunity if you want to give towards that. But you know, that, that is part of our generosity. That's part of growing in generosity. It's not just the giving of our tithes and our offerings to the church as much as we, uh, that's an important aspect of our giving, but it's also in other ways that we, we want to foster and grow generosity in us and bless others. And so just so encouraged by the way that we can bless those ministries and thank you uh, for your uh, being part of that. So as, as Dwayne mentioned, we're going to talk about uh, life in the Spirit this morning, and uh, I, I'm looking forward. I'm excited about this message. I'm excited about digging into Romans 8 together. Um, in 1999, uh, when I went to a one-year uh, discipleship kind of Bible school with our church at the time, it was called the King's Commission, uh, one of the requirements of that one-year program, if you wanted to graduate from it, was that you had to read through the entire Bible which in retrospect doesn't seem like a whole lot, but I, as, a, as a 20-year-old, it was like, really? Um, and then we had to memorize all of Romans 8 as well. And so that felt daunting. It was like, we're going to memorize 39 verses of this chapter. And you had to, we had to recite it to the lead teacher of the program in order to, uh, to graduate. And so um, it meant, for, for me and for, for our class, it meant a ton of time in Romans 8 during that year, just soaking in it, memorizing it. Uh, I can't remember exactly what month I ended up, because we could, we could uh, memorize it and recite it at any point during the program, but I think it took me quite a while. And so because of that, Romans 8 to this day feels so familiar to me, just the words of it, and specifically I'm going to preach out of the NIV, and that's what I memorized it in, was uh, actually the NIV 1984, which is better than the 2011 NIV. Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, but, you know, beyond that, the, the impact of this chapter on my life has been significant. Like, they're, they're, they didn't just pick any chapter for us as young, uh, young adults to memorize. They, they wanted us to memorize Romans 8 because of the significance of what that chapter speaks over us and our life in Christ. It is... It would, it would benefit every single one of us to immerse ourselves for a time in our lives in Romans 8 because it's foundational theology for our life in Christ. And so over these next few weeks, I want to I spend time in this chapter as we look, to, uh, look at it and we seek to grow in our desire for life in the Spirit. And, you know, again, I, I know that maybe our internet's causing us some issues this morning, and if it is... I just, I want to encourage you, if somehow, if we go down, or if there's, there's intermittent issues here, go back and listen to this message. We'll have it online after. There, there's, these are going to be foundational messages. I feel that right now, that the Spirit is, is compelling us to, to be in this and to seek after more of life in the Spirit. 
to have our lives directed by the Holy Spirit, to have a vibrant and deepening hunger for more of the Holy Spirit, to be experiencing more and more and more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is not some deluxe package of Christianity. This is not some optional trim level that you choose to live from, but really, you know, you can do without if you want. That is not what it is. We cannot live without this. To have our lives guided, directed, and immersed in the Spirit of God, that is what it means to be in Christ. You know, and I've heard many people in the church speaking of the time that we're in right now, saying something to the effect of, it's going to become very black and white for Christians. Choices are going to have to be made. The difference between those who follow Jesus and those who don't are going to be, is going to become very clear. And, and I, I understand the sentiment behind that thinking. But I also, as I was thinking about that this week, I felt provoked by the Lord. We should be there now. And if we're not there now... What makes us think that we're ever going to be? What are we doing to foster and grow this spiritual transformation in us now? Because life in the Spirit is an invitation to live in the fullness of God now. It's not future tense. It is for now. And it does involve our participation. It's about embracing discipleship and transformation It is about the fullness of life in Christ now. And, and, you know, I realize as we're going to get into Romans 8 here for three weeks, we're only going to scratch the surface, even within three weeks of this chapter. The, The truth in this chapter, its implications for our lives when I keep going back to Romans 8, there's parts of it, and I, I keep going back to parts of it again and again and again. It keeps enthralling me every time that I spend time here. This is who we are. This is what it speaks of, who we are in Christ. This is what we are invited into. And so I want to I get into it this morning. Let's just get in, right into it. I have four main points that I want to highlight this morning as we dig into the first part of this chapter. And so if you have your Bibles with you. I want to invite you to read along with me Romans 8. We're going to read verses 1 to 4 to start. And uh, like I said, I'm reading out of the NIV 1984 edition. Um, It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Let's just pray as we, before we go any further. Jesus, we stand before you in that truth. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. We believe that. We stand on that truth. We embrace that. And all that that is for us as your followers this morning, it's amazing 
It's incredible. And Jesus, I just, I'm enthralled as I read that, that this, this is what you've done for us. And we want to embrace all of that for us this morning as your followers. We want to live out of that. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken us this morning. Help us, breathe on us. Awaken our spirits, awaken our hearts and our minds to, to grasp the enormity and, and the incredible nature of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So my first point, if you will, that I want to I draw out from those verses is we are called to live free. W- one of the things that I have been really provoked at seeing during COVID especially is how God is moving um, in south of the border mainly is what I've seen at least in pockets in the U.S. where there is, there is a new generation of worship groups, of worship leaders, of worship songs that are rising and, and leaders who are just full of the Holy Spirit. Like I, I've, I've just, I've watched some of it and I've just been like, I've like, I so, Jess and I have been like, we so want to be there. Like there's just like, and I'm grieved that we're not experiencing this in Canada. And we're not. That's the truth. We have a great need for the move of God in our country. We have a desperate need for God's move. And it can happen here. That's one thing I want to believe. It can happen here. It's marked by people pouring themselves out before the Lord in prayer and worship. And it begins with freedom. Living in the freedom of Christ that the gospel offers us and makes possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8, it's certainly connected to earlier parts of Romans. Verse 1 is connecting back to earlier parts in Romans 5 when Paul says, therefore, he's saying in light of where he he had spoken before of the peace that we have um, with God through Jesus, the access we have through faith in Jesus, the grace that now reigns through righteousness to bring us eternal life in Jesus. This, This is all true vitally important. Romans 8 begins with speaking about there being no condemnation and it ends by saying there's no separation. This is about our eternal security and destiny for those who are in Christ. And and the great thing about that as we're reading this is that there is no doubt. If you ever like, I don't know, I doubt my eternal security. No, you do not have to doubt. No condemnation, no separation for those in Christ. But this is not only about forgiveness of sins. Yes, we have been set free from the, power, from the law of sin and death, the power of that. Our only hope is that Jesus came and he was made a sin offering for us. That's what it's talking about there, that, that he was the offering for sin. He came to remove the condemnation that every single one of us is under apart from his sacrifice. This, this is the gospel, but that's not the end of the gospel. We have been set free in order to live according to the Spirit. That's what it says at the end of verse 4. In this is this core identity theology to combat the deception and the lies of this current age. This is who we are in Christ. Life in Christ is a matter of the Spirit. Living all of our lives from this reality of God. 
And so we actually have a serious problem if we make the gospel simply about forgiveness of sins, that it, it ends there, that it's just this intellectual agreement with a set of beliefs that's sort of focused on just this future salvation out there rather than about new life. <laughs> The gospel at its core is about new life. It's about new life in Christ lived out in the power of the Spirit. Life in Christ is to be essentially life in the Spirit. Lives animated, sustained, directed, and enriched by the Holy Spirit. And the central idea in these verses is of liberation. That we have been set free in Christ to live according to the law of the spirit of life or to the ministry of the spirit. And this, this liberation that we have been given, invited into, invites us, invites you to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Meaning we're not held by our pasts. We're not under the power of generational sins in our families. We're not slaves to sinful desires and compulsions. We don't live out of our own abilities and accomplishments. Now, there's stuff there that you might have to get free of. This is why getting free of stuff in our life, and you know, we've preached on this in the past. Early in 2019, I preached a whole series about going deeper in Jesus. It was just all about dealing with our past and getting free so that we can live in new life because new life in Christ is living according to the Spirit. And the reason this is essential to embrace is because we have great need for inner transformation. We don't just have need for forgiveness of past sins. Yes, but we also have ongoing need for inner transformation. And the tragic reality is that we have come to a time right now in our culture where for a large percentage of professing Christians, they hardly look different than the world around them. And we shrug and we go, well, it's just kind of the way it is. Freedom in Christ is not just a bonus for some. It is an invitation to a life defined by fullness of joy that Jesus offers. The work of the Spirit in our hearts that leads us into obedience and pursuit of holiness. In order to bring us into this new life, God sent Jesus to die for us and his spirit to live in us. And so what that means is spiritual transformation is a natural development of this new life. But the question is, how do we experience this? So let's read on. Verse 5. We're going to read verse 5 to 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Second thing I want to draw out from this is we choose how we live. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God brings us from death into life, and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. But the work of the Holy Spirit does not leave us passive. When it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, we can, we can have this idea that 
our, our personalities and our hearts, sort of just, just who we are, just need to be transformed by some lightning strike of the Holy Spirit. Like call it revival or renewal, move of the Spirit, you know, being baptized in the Spirit, just boom, you get that and it's like everything, every part of me is just immediately transformed. Like look at this, isn't it amazing? Like no process. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing? Like you get that and you're like, all of a sudden, boom, Paul's like a completely different human being because of the Spirit. I'm not saying that can't happen. I think that people have been crazy moved by a move of the Spirit. But that's not what it says here in Romans 8. There is a choice and free will involved in what we set our minds on, how we live our lives. When it speaks on setting our minds on what the Spirit desires, it's speaking of our nature driving our mindset. And the clear contrast highlighted here is meant to reveal to us this unmistakable difference between those living from their sinful nature, their flesh, and those living from the Spirit. Meaning, the Spirit in you is bringing about remarkable change. But this doesn't, this doesn't happen by default. It's not automatic. It's not, you know, part of the welcome package that you receive. Oh, look, you've surrendered your life to Jesus. Boom! It's the result of choosing to live out of and from our new nature. And Dallas Willard, he, he talks about this and he makes this great point um, in one of his books where he says, this is why to embrace the gospel as simply the forgiveness of sins will leave us kind of with, with faith over here on this one side. So forgiveness of sins and faith on this one side. Not that it's not important, but then on this other side is this um, obedience and abundance is over here. And it's on the other side. And there's this gap. And there's, there's a bridge that has to be crossed. And that bridge, he says, that has to be crossed is discipleship. Now, discipleship is just one of those terms. I, I know, you know, I've, I've thrown it around a lot. Apprenticeship to Jesus, being a Talmudim. It's been reduced in the Western church, sadly, to being optional. It's, it's great for those who want to embrace it but it's just as acceptable if we just receive Jesus for our eternal guarantee and then, and then we just live our lives and we pursue stuff as we please. And I, I've got this kind of, I've got Jesus here on the side and he's, he's going to get me to heaven. I was having that discussion with a, a dental hygienist the other day. Kind of that, that was exactly her thinking as we're having this discussion. And she had a captive audience. And, and I was like, but that's not what it is. That's not what life in the spirit is. It's not, it's, and the problem with it is that that's not what scripture models at all. Following the way of Jesus is surrender to his way. Total submission. And a subsequent desire to live in obedience to his commandments. It is spiritual formation. It's the process of shaping our spirit and giving it a, definite, a definitive character. And so for followers of Jesus, it means the formation of our spirit in conformity with the spirit of Jesus. This involves the Holy Spirit and his work. The reworking of all the aspects of ourselves. And, and so when we talk about this, we have a massive problem with discipleship in the church today. We, we have not done a good job of it in LCF. And it's lacking amongst us. 
So here's, here's you say, well, what, what do you mean by that? Here's what, I, here's what I mean when I talk about discipleship, at least to start. Do you have someone in your life who isn't your spouse, who holds you accountable, who asks how your spiritual life is, how your devotional life is, how your prayer life is, what sins are you tempted by, what sins you need to confess, how your marriage is, someone who challenges you to the way of Jesus. If not, you're not being discipled. So how do we do this? How do we work out this is a crucial question right now. Because the reason that this cannot be optional in our lives is because there's only two options. There's living according to the flesh or there's living according to the spirit. In Galatians 5, Paul works it out there where he reveals that our flesh and our spirit are in irreconcilable conflict with one another. We, we, can't make, we can't reconcile those two things. It's impossible. And so this is where discipleship helps us grow and welcomes more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we need to recognize that the flesh is corrupt. It's unredeemed. It's dominated by sin, actually. It is, it's death. It's hostile to God, it says here. There, there, there is no middle ground. Life in Christ calls us to new life, choosing to pursue and seek life in the Spirit. And so we need to recognize and realize there's a danger that exists in us if we give ways, uh, way to ideas that diminish the need for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and his ongoing work of transformation in us. We need more and more of the Spirit, not just a little bit. Because our flesh, apart from Jesus, is hostile to God. It's steeped in wicked self-centeredness, and it's full of death. And the work of sanctification, which is just a fancy theological term, if you will, of meaning growing in obedience to Jesus, that work is essential. Of all the things that are essential in these days, that's essential. Growing in obedience to Jesus. Verse 6 says that in contrast to the mind controlled by the flesh, that is death, the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. And this is because minds that are set on the spirit desire what the Holy Spirit desires. Who, who love above all else to glorify Jesus. That is what the Holy Spirit loves to do above all things. Glorify Jesus. So our minds, when they're set on that, we just want to glorify Jesus more. To, and, and so the Holy Spirit, his desire is to show more of Jesus to us, to form more of Jesus in us so that we would glorify. That's the work of the Spirit. And so this is really about what fills our minds to set our minds speaks to the direction of our thoughts, interests, affections, and purpose. It's about what drives us. It's about what we give ourselves up to. What captures us? Are you enthralled with Jesus? Are you just moved by more of the presence of Jesus? Do you want more of the presence of the Holy Spirit in you? We choose how we live and what we set our minds on. Are our mindsets dominated by the Spirit? Let's go on and read verses 9 to 11. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature 
but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, and your, your, if Christ, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. This is, this is what we sang this morning in that opening song. We sang about that. We were declaring that truth over us. And we just saw in verse 6, and now once again we, we see in verse 9, where it speaks of those in Christ being controlled by the Spirit. We are to be controlled by the Spirit. And this is a significant issue because the question is, are we willing to surrender control? At the forefront of our hunger and desire for more of the Spirit is in our lives, in, in that, the forefront is the question of control. We can't, we can't have it both ways. If we believe we can, we will end up forfeiting hunger for the Holy Spirit. And these verses make clear that everyone in Christ has the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's, that's not in question. Everyone in Christ has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. In fact, it is the promise of the indwelling Holy Spirit that assures us that combating our sinful nature and being a temple for the Holy Spirit is certainly and entirely possible. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. The question relates to the ongoing, richer and deeper experiences of the Holy Spirit. The fresh anointings that come from the Spirit. Being so thirsty for God, like wandering in the desert, looking for water. Like a deer panting for streams of living water, like it talks about in the Psalms. The two ifs here that we read there in verses 9 and 10 they're not meant to create doubt in us. Like, 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 do we actually have the Spirit of God in us? But rather, it's to drive home for us the impact of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is, this is what we can expect. This is what we were created to pursue. This is what new life in Christ is all about. We are to be controlled by the Spirit. Submitted to Jesus and his way. Surrender to his kingdom. Being full of the Holy Spirit. And that's an ongoing and continuous experience that we can have. But this is about control on our end. Releasing our obsession for self-determination and the deeply embedded belief that we are our own master. That, that is the root of all sin. The root of that is pride. And so to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, it's an invitation. The Holy Spirit's not going to push his way. He's gentle. He's sensitive. In fact, Ephesians 4 says that he's easily grieved. This is why receiving and experiencing more of the Holy Spirit, it's dependent on our surrender. But when the Holy Spirit is invited, when he's pursued, his presence is incredibly strong. It can be overwhelming. This is why so many people, they've experienced physical manifestations that, that they can't control because the Holy Spirit comes and he's powerful 
This, this is not a metaphor here, that we, what we sang this morning. The same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same spirit who lives in us. That's not a metaphor. We, we read that and we don't think that the Holy Spirit is powerful. The same spirit that raised Jesus from death, completely dead in the tomb, the same spirit lives in you. That's power. We need to recognize that apart from Jesus, we are completely dead. This is actually really important for us to, to grasp. Apart from Jesus, you are completely dead. Yes, your physical bodies can be functioning, but even from the point of birth, we are in an ongoing process of decay. Right now, my body is in a state of ongoing decay. But, and the only destination apart from Jesus is death, both physically and spiritually. There, there's, there's no in-between. We're dead people apart from Jesus. But here's the incredible news. God brings us into life. The presence of the Holy Spirit and his power within us changes all of that, it says here. Like, this is the magnitude of the presence of God's Spirit inside of us. Inwardly, we are, outwardly it says in Corinthians, we're wasting away. But inwardly it says, we are being renewed day by day. The power of the Spirit is at work in us. It's incredible that we serve a God who brings dead people back to life. And to be controlled by the Spirit, says here, promises life. Eternal resurrection life. We will receive new bodies, resurrected bodies. We are not going to waste away both physically in the grave and spiritually. We are alive. And we have supernatural peace that is given to us. Peace that surpasses all understanding, all comprehension. We have peace. All right, let's read on the last part we're going to be in this morning. Therefore, brothers, we and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. So the last thing I want to touch on this morning is we have an obligation to be led by the Spirit. Obligation here in verse 12 literally means we are in debt. We are debt debtors. So what is this obligation? Paul, he doesn't, he doesn't complete the sentence, but he infers that we have an obligation to live according to the Spirit and to be led by him. This, the argument presented in these verses is if the Holy Spirit has given us new life, which he has, we have new life in the Spirit, then how could we possibly live out of our old sinful nature? How is that even possible? It's nonsensical. It's completely incompatible with life in the Spirit. It's like trying to put a PC hard drive into a Mac. It's like trying to put a PlayStation game into an Xbox. It's not going to work. Why would you even try that? We are indebted to the Holy Spirit to live according to the way of Jesus and to put to death anything and everything incompatible with it. It's not part of who we are. 
putting to death the misdeeds of the body. It's not about just stuffing things down. It's not about ignoring issues. It's not about repressing things. It's not just well, hoping it will get better. No, it's, it's, it's actually rather it's about confronting sinful patterns within ourselves. It's engaging in self-awareness. It's this inner work to get to the root of our attitudes, our thoughts, our behavior. So how can we live according to the Spirit? How can we be led by the Spirit? So really, if we're going to talk about this, that's a crucial, crucial question. It's by fostering patterns in our lives that bring renewal to us. It's cultivating spiritual habits in our lives that brings hunger for the Spirit. Because the danger, right now, this is the danger, is that we reduce spiritual formation down to listening to what, we, what is preached to us and just gaining knowledge. Consuming church services and whatever, consuming podcasts, but leaving it there. It, it becomes about intellectual belief more than anything. But spiritual formation that stirs hunger and desire for life in the spirit and more of the spirit is a different thing. Listening to this message and just leaving it here wherever you are, will not do anything for you. This is, this is just an appetizer. You have to apply this to your life. And so it involves all sorts of aspects. And I just want to touch on some of these. I was just thinking about these yesterday, about how do we, how do we cultivate this in our lives? There, there's the spiritual disciplines. That's, that's crucial to life in Christ. Time in the Word. Time in prayer, time in silence and solitude, engaging in fasting. Yes, fasting is a necessary part of growing. Meditation in scripture and memorization. In fact, one of the things I was reading this week is Dallas Willard, he talked about how memorization for him is actually right up there. One of the key spiritual disciplines is memorization so we have the word implanted in us. Engagement with the local body, relationship, commitment, crucial for our, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Creating time to wait on the Lord. Meaning, asking for more of the Holy Spirit. That, that's, that's crucial to just create that time. Worship time with just you and Jesus. Not just listening to something on a Sunday morning, but actually engaging and having worship time where you are allowing the Spirit of Jesus to minister to you. Reading books that stir your mind and your heart with the affections of Jesus, affections for Jesus. Such a blessing. Prayer together with the body, stirring expectation together. Worship together. I miss corporate worship together so much right now in these days. I, I, I I've been watching videos of worship together going, oh, I want more of that. Accountability and discipleship with someone with spiritual maturity and someone who is also walking in accountability with someone else. So important. Now, this is not about works. It's not about just having a checklist. It's not about that at all. This is what Dallas Willard says, and I, I loved this quote. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. In God's people, we are always called to action. I, I am I'm absolutely convinced 
that God is calling us to stir up hunger within ourselves and desire for more of life in the spirits in these days. I believe that we are in desperate need for God to pour out his spirit in our lives, that we'd be cultivating and fostering this, that we'd be going away and going, I I want more and more and more of the Holy Spirit. So this is where I want to leave it. The question is, how can I seek and pursue life in the spirit this week? How can you go away right now today and how can you cultivate this? I want to I encourage us to, besides that, that list that I mentioned of just all those things that we can do, put aside 10 minutes each day, minimum 10 minutes, to intentionally seek the Holy Spirit. Just get away with you and the Holy Spirit and pray that the Lord would stir up in you hunger and desire for more of the Spirit. Actually begin to cultivate this in your prayer life, that you'd be praying, I want more of you, Holy Spirit, more, more, more. Do it alongside Scripture and just allow Scripture to permeate and just just go into you and then just pray for more and more of the Spirit. You'll You'll be amazed what even that does this week, 10 minutes a day of just intentionally setting that time aside. We're going to end here. We're going to end with some worship, but let's just, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, you are so good. You're so faithful. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in our lives. I thank you for the way that you have moved in me. I thank you for the way that you are moving in me. I thank you for the way that you're moving in your people. I thank you for the, the, the hunger that you have to glorify Jesus in your people. Lord, we want to pray that you would stir us up in these days. Stir us up, Lord. Just fan that flame that's inside of us. We all have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'd fan that flame, that you would, there would be just a rushing wind of your Spirit coming into our lives. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We ask that you'd help us to surrender, surrender control, that we would be controlled and led by you, Holy Spirit, in our lives. We thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you died to give us new life that you've sent your spirit to us so that we can live in the abundance of your life. And we want to do that more and more and more in these days. We pray that in Jesus, in your mighty, powerful, wonderful name. Amen.